Hollywood stars may seem larger than life, but of course they are just as vulnerable to life's tragedies, including the chance of dying at a young age. For some of these Hollywood stars who died so young, their celebrity was sometimes brief, sometimes felt for decades. What they had in common was a death that came too soon. But somehow, some way, they always come back. James Dean once said, Dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Rebel Without a Cause was a classic film detailing the sordid adventures of a youth struggling with identity and clashing generational attitudes is widely regarded as one of the most significant movies in film history. One month before the release of Rebel Without a Cause, James Dean was killed in a head-on collision while driving his Porsche 550 Spider, the same vehicle he drove while shooting Rebel. It was Dean's premature death that cast a shadow over the film, but it was the incredibly emotional and volatile behavior that occurred on set and the horrific death of the lead actor that many have blamed for the curse that followed. Co-star Sal Mineo and Natalie Wood would also suffer the same fate, Sal being stabbed outside of his West Hollywood apartment and the mysterious drowning death of Natalie Wood. The paranormal aftermath. Do these stars still come back to the sightings of where they have passed? We talk about this and much more on episode 18, The Casting Curse of Rebel Without a Cause. Actors take your places. Marker. Roll sound. Action. I've been listening to a ton of true crime podcasts lately, but you know, there's just not enough conspiracy theories in it. What about international crime? But what about the psychological aspect? I mean, what were they thinking? Yeah, but who's talking about cults and even paranormal stuff? Hey, wait, that's us. It's Murder Blows. We're a podcast of four friends talking about the things we love the most. Join us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere that you get your podcasts every Monday morning. And if you haven't gotten enough of us yet... We are on Twitter at MurderBlows and Instagram at MurderBlowsCast. So come on, come hang out with us or listen to us every Monday. Thanks so much. Bye. Hey, friends. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Hollywood Paranormal. If you're new to Hollywood Paranormal, welcome. Welcome. We are a Hollywood true crime and paranormal podcast. Where we talk about Hollywood true crime and its paranormal association and any type of California crime with a paranormal association in general. Yes, we will talk about anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Two teen girls chatting. Uh (laughs) Oh, I brought my Vogue with me. It's great. Teen Vogue. (laughs) Well, can we, before we go into the story, can Mm. we talk about this Mercury retrograde? Girl. So we've talked about it. I am like the kind of person in general who's like, no, I don't really believe in astrology. I have a roommate who is very into it. She's done like my star chart, my birth chart. There's a woman at the gym who like every time she comes in, she's like, look up this thing. It's like a different like way to read your astrology. Mm-hmm. So I'm aware of it, but I don't really subscribe to it per se. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm a Gemini. I know like my sun sign, my moon sign, blah, blah, blah. 
And yet, for all my, like, protesting, I still can feel, like, I felt the second my Saturn return happened, I was like, what's happening? Why is my life doing this? Like, what is going on? I, like, got off a plane uh-huh. and felt it. And I, like, Me texted too. my roommate. I was like, something's not right. I don't know why. And she's like, what are you feeling? And I explained it. And she was like, it's your Saturn return. It's like, no. <laughs> Blame it on the planet. I bring all that up to say... Yes, I don't necessarily believe in it, but damn, has this week been insane. It it No, this whole month? Yeah. The last week of July when it was supposed to start? Oh, God. And then I was told, yeah, it's supposed to end on August the 18th. Okay, great. And then it picks back up supposedly in two weeks Stop. or in November. Yeah, I'm just, I'm over it. I'm so glad that whoever took my credit card information and bought three <laughs> bottles of Chanel is enjoying it. Because mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> no. This is what happened. That is terrible. Oh, yeah. It's been like with my finances. Like, I remember buying something online and they charged my <gasps> account three times. Rude. I found like a, um, I had to dispute that charge on my credit card because, yeah, someone charged $500 oh worth of Chanel. God. And I just, I don't know. It's just like people been going crazy. There have been a lot of car accidents. Yes. A lot of people getting, oh, some of my friends getting divorces. Mm hmm. It's insane. It is insane. Stay safe, y'all. I'm going to read you this uh, this tweet by Veggie Delight. Congratulate yourself for making it through July, a month with five planets in retrograde, a blood moon eclipse, a Friday the 13th, and a curse uh, sarcophagus. Oh, my God. <laughs> Obsessed. Thank you. I appreciate the congratulations. Congratulations. That's hilarious. I know. We did it. We really did it. We really did. If if you don't feel accomplished about anything else, right. know that you've survived. What is our mantra? <laughs> what is our mantra? If Britney Spears can survive mm-hmm. 2007, we can survive this retrograde. Yeah. There the, you go. The other one I saw, and this is a little bit older, <laughs> is... Um, something along the lines of everyone like made fun of the people who thought that the world was ending in 2012 but has anyone felt alive since then and I like sat at my computer just like it's real (laughs) like full on got me like no it's happening so there we are we Mm -hmm. admit we're either surviving or as techie and ghost one or the other it's fine I go with a techie and ghost me too yeah go creepy (laughs) (laughs) yes well, it seems like we're, you know, wrapping it up pretty nicely, this retrograde, yeah. because we just uh, had a beautiful brunch yes. with some amazing doctors. Yes. Dr. Scott and Dr. Shiloh Hi. of LA Not So Confidential. But they were, they're definitely one of our spiritual bays. Guys, yes. they are, they're LA forensic psychologists. Mm-hmm. They are legit. They know what they're talking about. They have a podcast. Like they're I mentioned. They're everything we are not. <laughs> they're ev- we, when we grow up, we want to be just yes. like them when we grow up. <laughs> and they are the sweetest people so on the planet. We had brunch with them at Dupar's at the Grove. Yes. We saw... I mean, just a full-on name drop. We saw Emma Roberts and Evan Peters. Oh, my God. We were really living it our was a true sign. Hollywood life today. It was a sign. Yeah. yeah. It, we finally arrived. I only <laughs> threw one pancake at them. I was very <laughs> controlled. Good for me. I know. Dr. Scott and I looked at each other. We're like, oh, my God, that's her. 
I really don't like her. I know. I really don't. She's, I've heard some. <laughs> Girl. I've heard some things about her, and I know that I've had friends that worked mm-hmm. on set with her, and she is no bueno. No, nope. Nope. She's a permanent Mercury retrograde. She is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's like our favorite listener. She's like, how could they attack me like this? I know. Sorry, girl. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> well, you heard it in our intro, guys. We are going to be talking about the casting curse of Rebel Without a Cause. Yes. If you tuned into our first season, we spoke about the casting curse of the misfits yes. that included Marilyn Monroe, Clark Gables, and Montgomery Clift. Yes. And how they all mysteriously passed away after the shooting of this film. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that history repeated itself. Yes. But it repeated itself prior before the misfits because Rebel was shot in 1955. Yes. And barely a month after it was released, we had the passing of James Dean. Yes. So we'll get into that very very soon so you know how we're gonna do we're gonna give you a little intro and we're gonna like give you a little welcoming and a background of the 40s what was going on during this time how was rebel introduced to the production people how it was introduced to you know you know the producers and writers and how it was you know pretty much shot we're gonna go over the tea that was spilled during filming because there's a lot of uh, tea that occurred in front of the camera, behind the camera, and in Nicholas Ray's Chateau Marmont bungalow. Ugh, girl. Of course, you know how that is. And then Bryce will take us to church on the deaths of James Dean, Nick Adams, Selma Neo, and Natalie Wood. And you brought up a really good point during your research. Yes. And we'll go into that very soon. And then the moment that you all have been waiting for. Ghosts. Ghosts. Rebel Without a Cause Ghosts. <laughs> Do these stars still come back? Because in Hollyweird, they seem to do that a lot. Mm-hmm. When they've passed under mysterious circumstances, they tend to come back to the places where they have passed. Yes. And we'll see that very, very soon. We'll Ooh. actually hear about it. All right. So you're ready, Bryce? I'm ready. All right. Where do we begin? Without a cause. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that too. I'll, I'll say myself out. It's fair. Well, in order to begin, we need to go back. We need to go all the way back to the mid-40s. So let's go back to 1946, guys. Let's go back to 1946, where bikinis go on sale in Paris. And on December 31st of 1946, Harry Truman issues a presidential proclamation declaring an official end to World War II. We did it. We didn't. Baby boomers become a big thing and people were going to the cinema like crazy. They were going out. They were celebrating. Mm -hmm. So you had production companies such as RKO, Fox, MGM and Paramount producing films like Gilda, The Best Years of Our Lives, uh, Blue Skies, Razor's Edge, Roads to Utopia, and The Postman always rings twice. Here in L.A., he just rings once and just, like, throws the package over the fence and leaves. And Bye. then someone else comes and steals, steals your package. Steals it, pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Amazon. Mm-hmm. It was the era of post-war up until 1962. Mm-hmm. But it was during this time that Warner Brothers producer Jerry Wald just so happened to buy the rights to a racy novel labeled Rebel Without a Cause. A script was commissioned, and you're not going to believe who was one of the writers of the script. 
Theodore Giselle, better known as Dr. Seuss, was Damn. one of the writers. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. He was a big writer in the industry. So a little known, Marlon Brando turned up for the screen test and was attracted to the script instantly. Warner's chief talent scout, William Orr, recalled he just sat there tearing up an envelope into little pieces. We figured he must be a genius, so we signed him on the spot. Uh-huh. I love it. But unfortunately, the script just sat there until director Nicholas Ray discovered it in 1954, which leads him to write his own treatment. Mm-hmm. And for some of you guys who are not film buffs, don't know what a treatment is, a treatment is a first draft of a screenplay for a motion picture, television program, or radio play. Treatments read like a short story, mm-hmm. but are told in the present tense and describe events as they happen. Congratulations, you just went through the first lesson of film writing 101. Yeah. Right there, guys. So prior to production, Nicholas Ray held interviews at his bungalow hmm, at the Chateau Marmont. Yeah. And Natalie Wood wanted desperately to play the female teenage role of Judy, but Ray had told her she wasn't right for the part. She persisted and would hang around while he was casting other parts. Mm-hmm. There were even claims that they had an affair, and sources even recalled seeing her in and out of his bungalow every day and all hours of the night. Girl. I know, but no matter what she did, he still wouldn't cast her. Why? She was a squeaky clean Mm -hmm. figure, a square, a child star embarking into young adult stardom. She had too much of a goody two-shoe persona. Mm -hmm. Until one night, she went out drinking with her friends and pulled a Lindsay Lohan, they ended up, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, oh yeah, they ended up in a fender bender with a young Dennis Hopper on Laurel Canyon Boulevard. The media pounced on the story immediately. Natalie was taken to the hospital and Ray rushed to her side on hearing the news. She looked up at Ray and, and said, you know what the police called me? A juvenile delinquent. Do I get the part now? Nicholas Ray acquiesced and Natalie Wood got the part due to a fender bender yeah girl so dean quickly followed up his role in eden with starring as jim stark in rebel followed by salmonio being casted the tragic Mm plato nick adams played chick dennis hopper played goon james dean natalie wood nick adams and salmonio were an inseparable foursome while filming rebel without a cause Now, friends, it's that time of the episode where we get to know these victims in this Mm -hmm. crazy Hollyweird tale as people and not just victims. Mm -hmm. So we start with James Dean. That old so-and-so. That old (laughs) so-and-so. You do not know who James Dean is, guys, which kind of worries us. Um, Just an FYI. James Dean was born James Byron Dean on February 8th of 1931 in Marion, Indiana. He is remembered as a cultural icon of teenage disillusionment and social estrangement as expressed in the title of his most celebrated film, Rebel Without a Cause, shot in 1955. The other two roles that defined his stardom were Loner Cow's Traxt in East of Eden, Mm -hmm. also shot in 55, and the Shirley Ranch Hand Jet Rink and Giant that was shot in 56. Dean passed on September 30th, 1955 at the age of 24 in a head-on collision while racing his Porsche 550 Spider. We'll touch on that soon. Oh, yes. And Natalie Wood, born, I'm going to butcher this guy, sorry, Natalia Niklevana Zokarenko. That was great. I added, like, the accent. I love it. Homegirl is half um, Russian, (laughs) half American, so there you go. She is a fellow Cancer, born July 20th, 1938. She began her career as a film 
as a film child star and became a successful Hollywood star as a young adult, receiving three Academy Award no- nominations before she turned 25. Her roles included Miracle on 34th Street, Splendor in the Grass, Rebel Without a Cause, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, The Searchers, and our favorite, West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Mario. Oh, that's such a good movie. I know. I get goosebumps <laughs> every time I watch it. Wood passed on November 29th, 1981 due to, and I say this with severe finger Mm -hmm. quotes, accidental drowning Mm -hmm. in Two Harbors, California. She was 43 years old. We'll touch on that very soon. Yes. Salmonio, born January 10th of 1939, was an American film and theater actor who is known for his performance as John Plato Crawford opposite James Dean in Rebel Without a Cause. Mineo was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his roles in Rebel Without a Cause and 1960s Exodus, respectively. Now, in 1957, he tried to start a career as a rock and roll singer. He released two singles. The first was Start Movin' in My Direction and Lasting Love. He was murdered in front of his West Hollywood apartment on February 12th of 1976. He was 37 years old, and we'll touch on that extremely soon. And then finally, we have Nick Adams. Nick Adams, born July 10th, another fellow Cancer, Mm -hmm. 1931, was an American film and television actor and screenwriter. He was noted for his roles in several Hollywood films during the 50s and 60s, along with his starring role in the ABC TV series The Rebel in 1959. Mm -hmm. Decades after Adams' death from a prescription drug overdose, and I also say that with severe finger quotes. He passed at the tender age of 36. His widely publicized friendships with James Dean and Elvis Presley would stir speculation about both his private life and the circumstances of his death on February 7th, 1968. Adams initially may have met James Dean in December of 1950 while jitterbugging for a soft drink commercial filmed at Griffith Park. They became friends instantly during the filming and they were casted together in the movie Rebel Without a Cause. During their breaks, Dean and Adams entertained cast and crew with improvisations of uh, Marlon Brando and Ella Hmm. Kazan, who had directed Dean in East of Eden. So they were both goofballs on Mm -hmm. the set. They were inseparable. And even some people claimed that they had an affair. Which we'll touch on that soon. Oh, yes, we will. (laughs) So this is the tea that occurred during filming. Realizing Dean's power to touch youthful audiences, director Nicholas Ray gave Dean free reign to improvise his scene, meaning he gave him free reign to be a method actor. 100%. So according to TMC.com, Anne Duran, who played Dean's mother in Rebel Without a Cause, said Jimmy did most of the directing. He gave us our lines. He dominated the entire thing. Dean and Ray's working relationship was equally bizarre. Ray often rehearsed with Dean at his Chateau Marmont bungalow and felt the energy between them there was so powerful that he actually recreated his own living room on the set to inspire Dean. This is how crazy it was, yes. But it seemed like Ray was instantly captivated Mm -hmm. by Dean from the very, very beginning. There was even reports that before he was 100% sure that he wanted Dean for this Mm -hmm. part, he followed Dean to New York and like hung out with him for several weeks. Spent a night with him at his apartment. 
even went to parties with him together, smoked a little marijuana with him together, drank together. They did mm-hmm. everything together. It was a very interesting relationship mm-hmm. that they had. And Duran also revealed that Jimmy was a strange boy. <laughs> On the first day, Jim Bacchus, who played James Dean's dad in Rebel, couldn't believe it. We were watching Jimmy doing his scene and someone had said, quiet, we're going to shoot now. And they got up speed and we were ready for action. Jimmy went down on the floor in the fetal position for the longest time. It seemed like half a can of film. And Nick said, action. Jimmy stood up and went into the scene. Jim and I had never seen this method of doing things. Nick seemed to be mesmerized by Jimmy. He just gave him full reign. Method acting. Girl, you know how I feel about the method. If it works for you, more power to you. But this was the thing in the 50s because uh-huh. of Lee Strasberg. And we mentioned this with our Marilyn Monroe episodes, yes. too, because she was under the direction of Lee Strasberg and under his education and guidance. And this is the same thing that happened with Marlon Brando mm-hmm. and with James Dean. So this was the thing to do. But it seems like everyone and anyone who goes down this route of method acting just didn't seem to really live a full life except for daniel day lewis Uh, (laughs) i mean this is a whole separate episode but even him i'm just like we get it if i had a dollar for every time you had an eye roll i would buy three bottles yeah right you could afford it chanel Um, mademoiselle yeah i mean i think the argument is like there in the entire industry between Mm -hmm. like the method and taking it too far and whether or not it's the only way or the best way Mm -hmm. i personally do not like it um for anyone that doesn't know the method is the idea that if you are going to act as a role that you must embody that role 24 7 and like live that role excuse me in order to get like the most realistic they wouldn't even call it a performance because it's more capturing the essence of that role in real life making it as real as possible so that if you know the classic example I always think about from um, Uta Hagen's first book is when she's talking about respect for acting mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. they would do there was a scene a dinner table scene that was happening off stage so that like the characters on stage are referencing that mm-hmm. every night they would actually eat dinner off stage there was like a full table set up oh wow her and the lunts would be eating dinner and the characters on stage would like hear them eating they would like have actual dinner every night so you can hear the stage. actual clanking yes. of the silverware the yes. plates the glasses everything so yeah. that's i think like sort of the the prime example of the method is like oh that's really like kind of endearing and kind of touching like they're having dinner together like that's so sweet Mm -hmm. the problem is that for every sweet dinner scene there's you know the Daniel Day Lewis's the Nicole Kidman's Mm -hmm. the uh, Sean uh, Penn's who take it too far in my opinion yeah and who I you know I really bristle against like this sort of glorification of the disregard for safety that kind of goes hand in hand. So you see Nicole Kidman and she's talking about her performance in Big Little Lies, for example. And she's like, you know, he was really slamming me into the door. He was really hitting me. I was so primal. It was, And it's like this weird, like, celebration of being physically abused. Like, or you could just try acting. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you just, like, 
And so fine, like I'm not Nicole Kidman. I don't have any Academy <laughs> Awards. So like you can take my opinion with a grain of salt. Right. But for me, I definitely fall more on the side of like as an actor, your job is to be the vessel for the story. And you have to do that in a way that makes 100%, it so that yeah. you're not ruining yourself. Heath Ledger, Nicole Kidman, all these people who then mm-hmm. come out and they're like, I've been like psychologically traumatized, but it was like the best acting I've ever done. No, no. don't do that. No. Don't do that. So, sorry, that's a very long rant because <laughs> I have a lot of opinions about the no, method. No, I, I, I agree. 100% mm-hmm. I agree. And I, little story time, like you, at our work, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this to you too. During, at our job, we have these summer intensive classes for mm-hmm. film and TV. And a week before I left to go to New Orleans, I got a little scared. I got a little scared. I almost called like security because there is this boy, this student who I've never seen before. So, you know, I'm assuming this was part of the film right. program. I started hearing him curse. And a lot of times the students are out in front of the hall, like in the hallway mm-hmm. in front of the shop rehearsing because the camera classes are in those rooms right across right. from the shop. So you always hear scenes going on. You can tell it's a scene because some of them are just acting for the first time. Yes, and bless. <laughs> bless. And with this one gentleman, it was he took it to a major extreme. Like I've never heard anything like that mm-hmm. in my five years of working there. But I started hearing him curse, and I thought, oh my god, he's he's probably on a phone call or something because mm-hmm. he's like, f you, f this, fuck this, you know. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden. I hear what sounds like someone kicking or punching a door. Oh, God. Really, like, violently. To the point where me and, like, the props people in the other department down the hall, we all came out, and we were, like, slowly coming out of of our rooms, and we're like, what's going on? He is out in the hallway punching a table, this foldable table, that was on standby for, I guess, one of the meet and greets at the school. Mm -mm. And he was punching it, and, and, you know, the props director approaches him I'm like girl you got some guts and she's like uh is there a problem what's going on he's like no I'm just getting ready for a scene can you not do that here can you go outside and do that because this is like school property yeah stop damaging property for your exactly no I told him like can you not get ready for a scene here there's people that are working and he's like whatever and goes upstairs I know I'm like ugh See, no, no, again, (laughs) it doesn't know the method is not my preferred choice when it comes to scene work or for acting. So send me your hate mail. It's fine. I get that some people really like it, but that is the problem. It's really selfish. And that's what it always comes down to me is like, you can say that Daniel Day-Lewis is like the greatest actor of our lives. But I feel for some people, they can take that. Sure. And <laughs> some people, it's very rare. Like Daniel D. Lewis, yes, maybe. He's just not my cup of tea either. Mm-hmm. I always think he's the same in everything. And it just comes across as selfish to me, but fine. <laughs> Again, he has Academy Awards and I don't. So like maybe these grapes are sour. Um, I don't know. Just in general, I think it lends itself to being selfish and that Mm -hmm. you are only focused on yourself and what you quote need to get there yeah and like any of those like phrases that you hear of like typical bad acting like i don't think my character would do that or like what my character needs like oh trust me i hear that in the costume oh all the time like i don't think i 
Woodward. Th-? I'm like, I don't care what you think. I Mm-mm. care what the director thinks and what's best for right. your character. You know. Yeah. So you know, again, I get that I'm probably bringing a lot of bitter baggage to this situation, <laughs> but I think most times the mm-hmm. method lends itself to diva type behavior, and I have so little tolerance for that. Right. So all that to say, thanks, James Dean, for (laughs) really kicking us off on the method. Well, there is this one scene Mm -hmm. I was going to mention, too, in which Jimmy batters a desk in Rebel. And he prepared for this scene by getting drunk in his trailer. And when he emerged from his trailer and he performed the shot, he did it in one take. He ended up breaking two bones in his hand as a result. So (laughs) they had to cut shooting they had to like wrap up his hand they mm-hmm. had to move on with other scenes they had to like kind of fall out of sequence so it yeah there we go and not thinking about everyone else and yes. you know the sequence of shooting for that day and that's like like hundreds of people's work schedules so it's like yeah mm-hmm. in some sense he like saved the money by getting it in one take amazing mm-hmm. but how much did he cost them in insurance in medical procedure oh in yeah rescheduling in film scheduling like it's all chaotic now like because you got your moment fine mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's again i hear how i sound everyone's just gonna be listening to this being like god he's so bitter but it's just because i hate the method like acting with bryce don't do the method (laughs) if you're thinking about going into acting guys take it from bryce yeah stay away from method uh, yeah this wildly successful actor (laughs) thank you for (laughs) thank you for this ted talk thank you So towards the end of shooting, the mm-hmm. only thing that remained in the eventual movie was the famous Chicky Run scene yes. where two cars lights out race towards each other in the Sepulveda incline before crashing straight into each other as the cars approached the tunnel. Now, the scene was filmed in May of 1955 and involved locations in Calabasas and a cliff that was actually built on what is now Stage 16 at Warner Brothers Studio in Burbank. Though Ray had originated the Chicky Run, it was the screenwriter, Leon Uris, who moved it to the clifftop location and turned it into a dare scenario Mm -hmm. rather than a suicidal rupture. The result was a scene where James Dean's character in a dare with a rival named Buzz and Dean escapes, but Buzz plunges with his car to his death. Mm -hmm. This was a very, very famous scene, especially for film history. This scene also inspired a lot of teenagers during this time period to recreate it all on their own. Mm -hmm. So after this movie came out, a lot of teens got into very serious accidents Mm -hmm. trying to recreate a chicky run. And this is something that mirrors with the Fast and the Furious franchise. Well, we're we're all such lemmings. Mm-hmm. Really bitter in this episode, apparently. <laughs> I I think it's any like viral sensation. Like right now, everyone is doing that Drake music video in their cars, <sighs> oh and God, that's like a yeah. slow speed thing. And yet, people are still like crashing their cars, or like they get on an incline, and all of mm-hmm. a sudden, their cars like rolling away from them, or they like the cars running over their foot. Or uh, yeah, over it's their body. crazy. Like we continue to do these things like Mm -hmm. ooh, like they did it in movies like that's not how movie magic works like don't do it in real life but here we are weave a basket yeah (laughs) i don't know do a i don't know go to a clay yes workshop in general light crafting is always the answer yes meditate (laughs) but yeah that's 
I mean, it's it's what's happening right now with the Fast and Furious 100%. franchise. I remember when the first one came out mm-hmm. when I was living in in spring in Texas. I remember a bunch of my friends and acquaintances would try to soup up their Hondas, their Toyotas, oh, no. and there's this one road. It was called Rankin Road where they would start doing these races, mm-hmm. and people got into some serious accidents because they're not race car drivers. They yeah. don't know how to control a car. They don't know how to shift. They don't know mm-hmm. the dangers of like speed racing, and here it is all Ugh. over again, happening again. And I posted that one picture. Yes, and we'll go into that soon about you know James Dean, Paul Walker. We'll go into that later. Girl. So here are rumors. Let's go into the rumors of Nicholas Ray because there's a lot of tea with this guy. Mm-hmm. A lot of tea. So Ray had cast James Dean, Natalie Woods, and Salman Neo in the lead roles, and incidentally, almost certainly slept with all of them. This was a rumor. Mm-hmm. So it was true that him and Wood had an affair. It is true. However, there were rumors that circulated that he also slept with Salmanio and James Dean. He denied these rumors in Patrick McGilligan's book, Nicholas Ray, The Glorious Failure of an American Director. And McGilligan writes that Ray's gay subtext in Rebel Without a Cause flew under the radar of censors, but didn't go unnoticed by gay men. Mm -hmm. Ray encouraged the romantic chemistry between Sal and James. Ray never denied he himself slept with men, even if he saw that as different from being homosexual. Now, during the making of his film Bigger Than Life, a daring vehicle for James Mason, Ray stated he had an affair with the 33-year-old British journalist Gavin Lambert, Mm. who was one of the first international critics to champion Ray as a major Mm -hmm. artur. So there are those rumors, too, Mm -hmm. that him and... Dean and Mineo had this unusual connection. Well, I think a lot of people credit Sal Mineo with being the first portrayal of a gay person mm-hmm. on film, even though it's not expressly. No. There's a lot of, you know, because of how censorship was, because of, you know, how much power the studios had, mm-hmm. um, it really had to be very subversive and, like, very stylized. But it. I think the subtext and what he was being directed to do yeah. was that he was in the midst of unrequited love with the James Dean character. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he's sort of credited with this, like, you know, even though it's not outright or he couldn't have ever acted on it or they couldn't have even portrayed it in the 50s, yeah, he is the first gay male character on film in essence, which I think is really cool. And he and was sad. one of the first pioneers to come out yes. eventually and say, no, I'm gay, and this yeah, is who yeah, I yeah. am. Even though it was a career Killer. suicide. 100%. Yeah. I mean, kudos to him, because yeah. he was like, I don't give a shit, this is who I am. Yeah. Oh. Like, I'm not going to follow through with what these, you know, industry people are, gonna, are directing me to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. And good for him. But there are also rumors, too, that Salman Neo and James Dean had an affair during shooting. And according to our favorite peeps over at Dead in Hollywood Zine, Mineo um, shot down those rumors later in life, stating during an interview, if I had understood back then that a guy could be in love with another one, it would have happened. But I didn't come to that realization for a few more years. And then it was too late for Jimmy and me. Oh, no. my it, heart. That, yeah. Like, hold my purse. Hold my lashes. Oh. I'm going to cry right now. Like, yeah, that was the sweet. 
such a sweet oh, response. That makes my heart hurt. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of speculations, too, that James Dean was bisexual, mm-hmm. that James Dean was heterosexual, that James Dean was pansexual. I mean, we, we discussed this before, yeah. too. I, I, I mean, in my opinion, I don't think he was. I felt like for him, it didn't matter. It was all mm. about connection and maybe not preference. That's just my opinion. Sure. I felt like he had this connection maybe with like the strong connection with Manio, sure. with Ray, with Adams. Adams and him were also rumored to have an affair. Mm-hmm. You know, there's also rumors that, oh yeah, he had an affair with Natalie Wood. He had an affair with Elizabeth Taylor while shooting Giant. He yes. had an affair with Marilyn Monroe. He had an affair with Vampira. I mean, there was all these like stories going around. Well, it's hard when someone ceases to be a human and becomes like this weird legend, mm-hmm. especially like the you know, the that's 20, such a good way of putting it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like these Marilyn Monroe's and James Dean mm-hmm. and all of these people who it's like we impart so much of our own experience onto them yeah. because they had so much life left to live. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, realistically, I probably fall in the camp that I think he was probably, if not you know right we, we're so good at labeling things now but if he wasn't actually bisexual then I think you're right like he probably just connected to humans what regardless of their gender yeah I think it just happened that they happened to be both genders yeah but labels aside that's not the point I think part of that is as a gay man I want that to be true do you mm-hmm. know what I mean yeah and so I think it's very easy when these people die so young and they're such big celebrities that mm-hmm. they become these like icons that we can then like imbue with our own desires for them. Right. Or like, well, this is like what would have happened or like this is how it would have been or was. It's like mm-hmm. That might be true. I think it probably was. Mm-hmm. Um, but who can say? Who Obviously, can say? That's he true. He died so young. He did. Mm. And yeah, so I mean, what if he did? What if, what if he didn't? Yeah. But I, to me, he yearned for connection. Mm-hmm. And this is what I learned, too. I, I read this really good book. It's by Elizabeth Dizzy Sheridan. It's called Jimmy and Me. Oh, yeah. And I highly recommend that, I mean, you read this book mm-hmm. because she knew James as Jimmy. Yeah. Way before he got big with Giant and totally. East of Eden. So in this book... She writes about how it was like to live and love one of the most controversial performing artists in American history. And her book clearly states that he is truly, he truly adored her Mm -hmm. and that he was capable of being monogamous. Mm -hmm. He, you know, she, she mentions this in this book too, that a lot of people thought James Dean was like living on the edge. He was this rebel. He was really a goofball. Yeah. Like he really didn't take himself seriously. And she was she also mentions in this book too that they had lived and been in this very serious relationship with one another for two years living in New York. She was an aspiring dancer. He mm-hmm. was an inspiring artist and he was a calmer and more stable person during that time living with her in sure. New York city. But there are times too, where he was very erratic. Mm-hmm. Like he had severe mood swings. He also had temper tantrums yes. and she's, she even goes into detail about, his mom because he loses his mom mm-hmm. at the age of nine mm-hmm. and he was so connected with his mother right very connected which a lot of people connect that with him being kind of obsessed with the whole idea of death mm. he really didn't process her death well and i know that 
he was born in Indiana and then moved with his parents to Santa Monica because mm-hmm. of his dad's work. And then there is where his mom died mm. at the age of nine. I think she died of cancer. And then he was shipped back to Indiana to live with his aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. but never had a good relationship with his father since then. Mm. But his art, like his heart ached for the loss of his mom. Yeah. Within Elizabeth Sheridan, within Dizzy, he found like this maternal figure in her, which is why they had such a close connection. And after he left New York, they broke up. They were still in constant communication. Mm-hmm. They would write to each other every week. And I mean, like it just was a unique coupling of like souls, in my yeah. opinion, after reading this book. And the, the ending left me in tears because Aww. she learns how to go on without him after the fatal crash. And Aww. it's quite poignant because she talks about it. He was, she was like, yeah, it's like, you know, today we have like these cell phones and these text messages and you know back then we just wrote to each other we always look mm-hmm. forward to it i always look forward to hearing from jimmy uh-huh. and ever since those letters stopped like a part of me like a part of me almost yeah. stopped too which i found so sad yeah but in an interview that i watched um that's so sweet i think it was like a couple of years ago with her um she even claims like i feel like at times i get visited by him like i just feel him around me because they were that connected yeah. they were still good friends yeah Damn. Yeah, I just I highly recommend reading that book. It was so at times I had to put it like I had to put it down. Yeah, because it was sad. Aww. And then guys, it's that moment of our episode where we hit tragedy. Yeah. So oh good, <laughs> uh, great. <laughs> Mineo, Dean, Wood, and Adams would all die under suspicious circumstances. Dean would die before the movie was released. He also starred in Giant with Elizabeth Taylor, another film completed but not released before his life would be taken in a car crash. Nick Adams' voice was used for dubbing Dean's in post-production. Following Dean's passing would be Adams, then Mineo, and finally Wood would be the last to go. Mm-hmm. And then you have all the info on their deaths. Yes, let's talk about death. Yes, um, let's, let's talk about their deaths in chronological order because yes. you did bring up a really... Yeah, so that was one of the things that, like, freaked me out the most. It's not the only thing that freaked me out, but one of the weirdest parts is that all all four of them, it was one death per decade, which I don't know why freaks me out so much. So we had James Dean in the 50s, Nick Adams died in the 60s, Salmonio died in the 70s, and then Natalie Wood died in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And the main thing that freaks me out about that is that there are a lot of rumors and speculation about as we are titling this oh, the yeah. curse of this film yeah and anytime there's a repeating kind of pattern and you know it's not like 10 years to the day or anything super creepy like that but it's just enough that you're like oh is this cursed like why is that so specific it just gives me like a chill mm-hmm. when i think about it like oh one every decade is super creepy. It is. I don't like it. I don't like it either. Go away, casting curse. Um, <laughs> so obviously, James Dean was the first to die. As you said, he died on September 30th in 1955, which was right before, almost a month exactly before the film was even released. So mm-hmm. he, you know, I think it's so tragic because the movie product or the 
production studio like used that to sort of like promote the film which i think is so distasteful it, yeah um and i think kind of anything for publicity anything for publicity but like you know i think that is part of why he has that like rebel like in our minds we can't delineate between like his film character mm-hmm. and like the actuality of who he may have been it's because of like the way it was marketed like, oh yeah see he died the way like the, his character yeah, and Jim like, did like ew gross like no. this is a real human who died mm-hmm. um, so he was driving as you said in his uh, spider it was him and another man whose name I wrote down and then now I cannot find it have it here is Wolf Wontrick yes um, and so they Wontrick? were in it and allegedly the last thing that James Dean said was that car will stop for us because what happened is that a car was turning left on the highway that mm-hmm. they were on. And because they like overcorrected and were turning left, they collided head on with the car. Oh, yeah. And James Dean was actually killed on impact. And the other people in the car, they um, they had like obviously injuries and like sustained heavy loss or whatever. Mm-hmm. But James Dean was the only one that died on impact. Like he didn't survive. The- he got the worst of the accident. Yeah. It was with um, the gentleman in the car was Donald Turnip Seed. No, Turnip Speed. Ooh. Oh, I know Turnip Speed. <laughs> oh. Turn up the speed. What? No, don't turn don't, it up. Don't turn it down. Turn it down, Donald. And so that was the thing too is that um, James Dean had actually already been cited for a speeding ticket that same night. Because he had been caught going 65 in a 55. Mm-hmm. And so he had, um, at the time of the crash, been going 55. They, like, in the autopsy and the police report, he had actually, like, because he'd already been ticketed. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even was going the speed limit. Because that was, again, the thing that they were, like, promoting. It was, like, this, like, high speed, like, rebel, de- devil may care. And it's like, that is... It just is, paralleled yes. with what he was really into, which was uh, racing. Yeah, and that he was. He was headed up to Salinas. Salinas, yeah. Which, East of Eden, is set in the Salinas Valley. Like, mm-hmm. there's all these echoes from that. But he was headed to a car race. So, like, I don't want to make him seem like a completely innocent, like, bystander. No. <laughs> but, like, at the time of the crash, he actually was, like, following the rules and, like, even made note, like, that car won't pull out in front of us. And then, like, obviously the car crash so before we move on to the next person mm-hmm. i want to talk about the spider the car itself oh which is the other part so the, the God, one every yes. decade really creeped me out the car i think was legit cursed because it is it <laughs> then goes on so obviously uh upon james dean's death that sort of does start the cult of James Dean. His apartment in New York is ransacked by fans looking for memorabilia. Oh, my God, yeah. The set of Giant is ransacked because they built a house, mm-hmm. like a facade, and that gets, like, broken apart by fans. Yeah. Um, it becomes this sort of insatiable need for James Dean memorabilia. Mm-hmm. The town that he grew up in sort of gets a rush of people. All these, like mid-50s, I mean, that is in history when the idea of a teenager comes about oh, anyway. Yeah. They have money that prior generations didn't have. They had free time. They had mm-hmm. cars. And it, he sort of melds into that mid-50s, 60s lifestyle. And it's this like cult following. So the car is then sold, mm-hmm. but then breaks down. And so the next person buys it, 
and they just take the engine out. So now it's starting to be sold for parts, mm-hmm. and the engine explodes, killing that car owner. The tires were like sold off in auction, and they allegedly all exploded at the same time, killed that car owner. Mm-hmm. The car is then reassembled or like rebuilt, obviously, and like not all the same parts, no, but like, but it was like reconstructed. Reconstructed, thank mm-hmm. you, could not think of that word. <laughs> yeah. And put on display, and they cannot keep the car physically together. It keeps like breaking off into 11 pieces mm-hmm. of like car chunk every time. So they had to like essentially weld it together. It's no longer drivable. No. Um, because it, w- it physically would not stay together. Like, A, it took the lives of two more people, mm-hmm. and B, it won't even be like displayed. Oh, yeah. It, I don't know why that freaks me out so much. Like, as soon as a car starts falling apart in 11 pieces, like, you just got to sell it That's for it. scrap metal. Like, mm-mm. Well, for a lot of people, they were, it wasn't just the James Dean car. It was also the fact that the spider, they cr- only created 90 yes. of these vehicles. Yes. So it was a collector's item. It was for people that really were obsessed with cars. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even if it was, like, you know, part of the car that James Dean, you know, owned and died in. Sure. I mean, people gravitated to it. But yeah, it was, it, I mean, it did cause a lot of chaos and death. Mm-hmm. Even Rolf Wotrick, who was a part of that accident, mm-hmm. who, was in, um, who was his co-pilot in the car, he suffers the same fate too. And he, even though he survived the accident, mm-hmm. he never fully recuperated physically from his injuries. And after he returned to Germany, he died. You're, never, you're not going to believe this. He, he dies in 1981, the same year as Natalie Wood ironically from a car accident no don't go in cars yeah so needless to say like so many others he probably wished that he never seen or had anything Mm -hmm. to do with the spider the little bastard that he as he nicknamed it and um i know that some people like to claim that it was a curse within a curse because it became the james dean curse yes you know james dean death was linked to this car that was cursed it had negative vibes yes. even like his girlfriend who was it uh ursula mm-hmm. ursula andres felt that the vehicle had a malevolent presence and uh another one of his friends even told him that you're gonna be dead within a week and then he died within a week it was alec alec guinness Told him that that is so creepy like yeah if you get in that I think, he, I think he like told him if you get that car you'll be dead within a week and then he literally died yeah. seven days later here it says i have it stated jo- um james got in um james got in it he would be um and i told him he would be dead within a week and sure enough within a week he died Ugh, in the car yeah that is so creepy it's yeah it i mean I honestly believe that that car has some really really bad juju so what happened to the car um, I think it's still, it now is on display, mm-hmm. um, but they, like I said, they had to weld it all together because mm-hmm. it kept falling apart. Yeah. And so it's no longer, there's not like an engine in it or anything. It's like not a functioning car. It's just a facade, essentially. And I know like the highway 
patrol, the California Highway mm-hmm. Patrol, used that car and sent it to different high schools in California to, to teach teens the dangers of driving at Ugh. high speeds. And during like the transportation or in the midst of transporting the wrecked car to other schools, there was a gentleman who was like handling the mm-hmm. car and its transportation and something happened where the car um, fell off of the, of the bed and it crushed the truck driver. Girl, at a certain point, just leave it on the side of the yeah. road. Like, <laughs> no, it is clearly not for you. So I found out that the 550 mysteriously went missing. It eventually goes missing oh, in 1960. Really? Yeah. I that so part. I have here an article. It mysteriously goes missing in 1960 while it was being transported from Miami, Florida. Oh, that's right. To Los Angeles, California. And since then, many have claimed to know what happened to it. But none of the reports and rumors have materialized until 2005 when the Volo Auto Museum, located on the outskirts of Chicago, Illinois, publicly mm-hmm. offered to buy the car for $1 million. So the museum got its first promising tip when a man called to say that he knows exactly where the car was and is located because he was present when it was stashed away. Girl. And if his story is to be believed, the caller was six years old when he saw his father and a few men hide the 550 Spider behind a fake wall in a building in Watkin County, Washington. Wow. Yeah, mu- museum officials say that the story is credible is credible because the man provided details that only an eyewitness would know, but who knows? And then they put him through a polygraph test and he passed it. So but I mean that's so hard because like he could if you really believe the lie you're telling, you'll mm-hmm. still pass a polygraph. Exactly. So they don't have the car still? They don't know where it is. Damn. They don't know where it is because like you said they took all these parts and it all circulated. Right, right. Okay, well what what happened with the main frame? Mhm. Oh what happened to what was rebuilt? That is crazy. We were all so focused on the stories of like the pieces of the Uh car and how they affected their current owner that we... Well, and that mirrors so much of like after the accident. Part of the James Dean legend was that like there was a passer or like a pedestrian on the highway and that that was who the body was and that James Dean was disfigured and so he like went into hiding or like he's not dead or, (laughs) you know, he was actually not the driver and so he like escaped... Because he couldn't, like, live with the script. Like, all these crazy legends about, like, he didn't really die. You know, we're sort of Elvis, mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe, so obsessed. They thinking, fake their like, death. Fake their death. Uh, John Lennon. Like, all these people, like, no, mm-hmm. they're not really dead. And, like, they're in hiding. Princess Diana is another one that comes to mind. And it's just, like, that mythos. And it's sort of echoed with the car of, like, well, it's not really gone. Like I know where they are. Isabella Rossellini's mansion from oh. death becomes her remember <laughs> yeah that's right they're in a mansion that, that was a documentary right. yes that was it's a beautiful documentary i love that movie drink the potion of life and i will forever. they're like oh no like this is a lesson about why you shouldn't be immortal i'm like i would do it girl <laughs> drink the potion drink the potion mm-hmm. paint me on um let's move on to nicholas adams girl that sweet little boo bear uh he died on or he was discovered his body was discovered Mm -hmm. on february 7th 1968 he had had dinner with his attorney um or had a schedule they were supposed to meet uh uh, erwin roeder and then he failed to show up which was very unlike him and so his attorney drove to his home, and everything was, like, from the outside looked as if he were home. 
So his attorney essentially breaks into his house, which, you know, don't do that, but sure. <laughs> um, and he is the one who discovers Nick Adams' body. And he was, like, dressed to go to dinner. Oh, shit. And his body was, like, uh, slumped near a foam. And so there was an autopsy performed, and it was ruled an accidental suicide. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Oh. Um, make you go, hmm. Because they found in the autopsy there was uh, formaldehyde in his body, as well as other sedatives and other drugs that you would have to ingest uh, intravenously, and yet there were no needle marks anywhere on his body. Um... And then his attorney was actually an ex, uh, he had worked with the LAPD, Mm -hmm. and he essentially kind of started putting his affairs in order, right, like as your attorney does. Mm -hmm. And so again, this is where it starts getting like, okay, well maybe he was an accidental suicide. It is odd that there's all these drugs. Yeah. We talked about the Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Like, man, that is a lot of drugs. Like, that person would have passed out before a lethal injection or, like, a lethal dose could have been taken orally. So, like, what does that mean? They didn't find any needle marks on the body. There's a lot of formaldehyde is not something that you can acquire by yourself. Things are not connecting. Things are not connecting. The scene of the crime looks too perfect. Too perfect. Too perfectly set up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So his attorney starts collecting all of his things. Uh, and takes the papers essentially to his own home, as your attorney does. And uh, the next month, he actually is also found dead. (gasps) Him and his wife were murdered in their driveway of the condo, and then those papers are never found. Whatever those papers' personal effects may have been, we don't know. They're cursed. They're cursed. They're cursed. (laughs) Clearly. So now like Adam's legal paperwork cursed. Yes, and so now it's this thing where okay, people around the main, if you will, the main root of the curse, quote unquote, mm-hmm. are also being affected. So it's like he takes the paperwork, whether or not it's a curse, whether or not someone's now like going after these people because they knew something. It's hard to say. There's a lot of things that he knew about Elvis Presley and other people that, from what I read, he was ready to go public with. And then... That was another thing. Gun down. Gun down. Gun down. Gun down. Gun down. Yeah. And it was so eerie, too, that Thomas Noguchi performed the autopsy, Mm -hmm. and he was the same um, doctor that performed the autopsy for Marilyn Monroe, John F. Kennedy, and coincidentally, Natalie Wood. Oh, gross. Yeah. I didn't know that. I knew it was the same as John F. Kennedy. I did oh, not I found know out that he's the same one that did Natalie Woods. Maybe stop hiring him, Illuminati. <laughs> That's right. I said it. You heard it here first. Breaking news the Illuminati's real. <laughs> Credibility? No. No. No, no, no. no. It's fine. <laughs> Watch, I'm going to get a text message from somebody like, you should go visit Bryce. Oh. And go over there, Bryce slumped down against the wall with his Starbucks like Bryce yeah oh. Starbucks. do you need me to get you more who how come put, you're not breathing <laughs> who put formaldehyde in your Starbucks, Starbucks. oh well it's <laughs> fine um oh that one creeped me out I did a, not know about Natalie Wood yeah six degrees of separation in this town I especially you. the industry in the 50s mm-hmm. I mean Elvis was obsessed with Rebel Without a Cause mm-hmm. he like allegedly met the director one day and was like quoting the whole movie to him. Well, that's how him and Adams started a friendship. It's because he knew James Dean very well. Yes. 
very, very well. So it's like six degrees, two degrees, like they were mm-hmm. all so interconnected and being famous back then and now even is yeah. still such a small club. So Oh, indeed. Girl. Let's jump forward to Salmonio. Uh, on the evening of February 12th in 1976, so now we're in our third decade of murder, mm-hmm. um, he was rehearsing a play. Uh, he pulled his car into his apartment and basically was stabbed in the heart and died almost instantly. So he's it like, was coming a brutal home, murder. Super allegedly unprovoked, super graphic and brutal yeah coming home from rehearsal and like kind of trying to because after rebel without a cause he had a string of similar roles as like the teenager Mm -hmm. like outcast like weirdo quote unquote yeah um and then as he starts getting older you know we're now two decades out he is getting less and less work because he can't keep playing these roles Mm -hmm. and this play was sort of setting him up i mean he was already getting like very early reviews that Mm -hmm. were pretty positive and it was sort of setting up to be his comeback and then he's attacked and murdered and he dies almost instantly on the spot and it's ruled just a not ruled, but it's just assumed that it's kind of a random coincidence. It was sort of just like a robbery. Yeah, they they say they say, and yeah. yet he had all his money, all of his jewelry, mm-hmm. all of his car. Nothing is ransacked in his home. Yeah, but they they call it a robbery and a murder. So fine, allegedly is allegedly. the word of our day today. <laughs> and then we jump forward to our final decade of the eighties. And our sweet Natalie Wood. I know. And I would say hers is the second most sort of nefarious and Mm well-known. And obviously James Dean is the domino that starts all of this. But with Natalie Wood, there's so much sort of swirling around that. Yeah. Um, And so she is found drowned. Mm -hmm. And it's initially ruled an accidental drowning. That's like the very basic thing. But it's this whole other issue. She's on a yacht with her then boyfriend. Yeah. Um, whose name I did not put down. Where is my... Well, she was still... Uh, she was still married to Robert Wagner. Thank you. Wagner. I could yeah, not think of Yeah, and it was uh, Christopher Walken. Christ- so... Her other co-star. Uh-huh. And <laughs> so they interest. are on this yacht, <laughs> and the cause of death is accidental drowning. Mm-hmm. And yet there's all these circumstances. They supposedly looked for her for hours before they reported to the Coast Guard that she was missing. Yeah. She had a deathly fear of the water and would not swim mm-hmm. or like be near the water because her mother, who was super controlling in her younger years, yeah. um, Rebel Without a Cause was actually the first role where like Natalie Wood was trying to establish her independence from her mother. Oh, yeah. Who was like a total typical stage mom. Um, her mother had visited a psychic when they were very young, and the psychic supposedly told her that one of her children would drown. So her and her sister wouldn't swim because they were so afraid of this like of water, prediction. Yeah. Her mom just like her. It was the mother that just created that yes. fear. And instilled it in her and her sister, uh, Lana. Yes. And so it's like, well, okay, she's like, you know, on a yacht in the middle of the ocean. Like, Mm -hmm. that's kind of odd. Yeah. And it's ruled an accidental drowning. The Coast Guard finds her washed up hours later, or hours after even the initial report. And she is only wearing, like, a nightgown. And they decide that she must have gotten up in the middle of the night to like secure the dinghy 
And then, like, that's how she, like, fell and drowned. <laughs> Meanwhile, all these, like, sounds things. Do, a, it does yeah, sound made up. But then she, they also, like, make these notes in the report that she looks incredibly battered. She looks like she had been in a fight. She, there was alcohol in her system. Oh, so yeah. it's, like, all these things that they just kind of, like, throw in the initial report. And mm-hmm. they're like, nope, accidental drowning, case closed. And the case remains closed yeah. for another 30 years. So... Uh, Wagner won't comment on it. Christopher mm-hmm. Walken barely comments on it. Yeah. Um, all these rumors kind of do swirl around it. Like, oh, this is weird. There's like three of them on the boat and it's like the two men survive. Like, mm, that seems a little suspect. Yeah. There's nothing that can be pinned on them, essentially. And so they kind of get away. Not get away. I shouldn't say that. But they walk away mm-hmm. and move forward. In 2011... The case is reopened because eyewitness testimony comes forward that is credible enough. And there is a podcast whose name I will never remember. Um, I think it's Final Voyage or... Yes, that is the one. Oh, God. What would I do without you? Yeah. (laughs) Literally, I would be lost. I have it right here because I I just subscribed to them too. Yes. It's like a 12-part series about this which i think is amazing right it's fatal voyage Mm -hmm. the mysterious death of natalie wood and yeah it's like a 12-part series and so they do such an incredible job Mm -hmm. and have eyewitness testimony as episodes of their podcast yeah that they get the lapd to reopen the case they've done such an amazing job Mm -hmm. which just blows my mind like what little warriors for justice like i'm so proud of them that they like got that and so allegedly there is witness testimony that they heard a man and a woman fighting Mm -hmm. and that there was uh sounds of physical violence not that they witnessed but they could hear the thrashing and the thumping And that they were certain that those that it was Wagner and Natalie Wood yeah. that were arguing. Well, that is the thing that Dennis Devern, who was the captain of the Splendor, mm-hmm. kept on commenting. Like his story was very consistent. Mm-hmm. Robert Wagner, inconsistent. He had three to four different versions right. of the story that like people just kept on questioning and questioning and grilling him about that he finally shut up. Yeah. He was like, oh, they're they're really coming on to me. But Dennis is, in my opinion, Dennis's story is very consistent. It's yes. the same. Him and um, Natalie Wood were toxic together. There was a lot of tension that night yes. because they went out drinking at um, a cafe. Yes. They were eating dinner. They had a lot to drink. And then there was this unusual attraction. He could tell, like, you know, because they were shooting this film together her and Christopher Walken. Yes. Wagner did not like that. And I think they were opening up a bottle of wine one night and this was like the night that she drowned where um, Robert grabs the bottle and smashes it on the table Mm. and then there's all this chaos. Christopher just like, I'm not dealing with this, walks into his room and then Natalie goes into her room and Robert follows Mm -hmm. her, closes the door and is like, I don't know what to do with my hands. What do I do? There's a lot of tension. Oh my God, Mm -hmm. what do I do? Because Robert had has a temper, and it's been yes. documented even on set. Like mm-hmm. he could be a little toxic, and not to mention too, he was also having an affair, or rumored to be having an affair with another female co-star of his. Ugh. So they were constantly butting heads. I don't know if it was one of those things where Natalie's like, "Well, if you're gonna have one, I'm gonna have one too totally. with Christopher here, right here." 
Yeah. There was also rumors that it was Christopher and Wagner yeah. who were fighting for her. Mm-hmm. They were like clashing over like her hand in very medieval apparently. <laughs> Again, that's like rumors and it's like hard to tell when there's like yelling and like you were saying the chaos of yeah. wine shattering like who can say who was making which noises but the autopsies told a different story yes and like i said they like sn- not sneak all these things in but no. there's all these facts in the initial autopsy that just kind of get glossed over and so the end result is that her death has now been switched from an accidental drowning to uh i don't remember the exact phrasing but it's like a drowning with other accidental or other drowning and other undetermined factors yes and so aka murder aka murder so (laughs) that's again not a complete like victory like oh we like solved this crime it just i think gives a little bit more wiggle room and a little bit more honor to her memory of like it wasn't that she was like drunk and stumbled over the side of the boat. Cause that kind of, I think was the initial like, well, she did this. Like she kind of like made this happen. She shouldn't have been drunk on a boat and blame like the victim, blame the victim. Yeah. Here and we so, go with victim blaming. It's yeah. Which like, you know, here's the thing. Maybe that is an element. Maybe she was drunk. Maybe mm-hmm. she was out in the middle of the night. On that a boat. was something that was ruled in the autopsy. Yes. yes. They so, found alcohol, but they also found bruises. Right. And so it's like, I think even though we might not ever know, no, what really happened it's kind of nice that she's had a little bit of a redemption of like she didn't like make a mistake and just oops slip overboard yeah something else happened whatever that may be that led to her death so i don't know it's still incredibly tragic it is and it's sad to see like interviews with her sister lana have you seen the recent one that they recorded Mm -hmm. if you go online just google lana woods and robert wagner mm-hmm. she confronts him confronts them in front of the camera my little waspy heart cannot handle She's, it but she tells him i know you know something mm-hmm. you know what happened to natalie that night mm-hmm. you know and he's like oh really you think i know something you think i know it because mm-hmm. in 2008 he writes a memoir and he wrote that he and walken had an argument that night wood disappeared and that walken went to the bed first and it was a while later after he had calmed down that mm-hmm. wagner noticed that wood and the yacht's dinghy were both missing. But then that story had changed twice or was edited twice right. before. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I in my gut and my feeling I felt like he had he was responsible for something. Mm-hmm. He was responsible for something. He pushed her, something happened. There Even if a, it was still accidental, he still did. He still yeah. was responsible for her drowning. Mm-hmm. I felt like maybe she fell off the boat. He tried to save her, and or maybe he was like, "No, you're gonna fall off the boat. Maybe you can cool down. I'm gonna teach you a lesson, kind oh, of thing." God. Yeah, but the the autopsies is what really caught my attention mm-hmm. was the fact they're like, "Why did we look over the fact that she had scratch and bruise marks all over her arms and legs? Why was this looked over?" You. Yeah. See, this deserves a separate episode, guys. It's just we'll so, have it in the yeah. future. Trust me. We'll do a the true crime and paranormal aftermath of Natalie Woods because there is like a paranormal aftermath. Of course. And of course, this is a true crime. Like her story is well, and it really a true Holly Weird tale. We talk about it so much, but there's so many eras oh, yeah. in true crime and in Hollywood. Oh, and for she sure. really like manifests in the 80s it's like that sort of 80s 90s era of mm-hmm. like the oj simpson trial and you know she's kind of all wrapped up in that of like 
violence against women and mysterious murders and like that sort of very like true crimey like 90s 80s vibe yeah she's definitely like the forerunner of all of that her death is unfortunately yeah it's really sad mysterious circumstances uh guys listen to that podcast i love justin and i love like the research and his collaboration with other podcasters Mm -hmm. but he did an amazing two-part series on natalie woods like he really like you could tell like he was so passionate about this case and about her history and her life and what she went through growing up with her mom growing up in the industry and just being married to Robert mm-hmm. all the way to her death. He did a really great job. I highly recommend looking for those episodes, Mysterious Circumstances. Love I it. had to throw that in because I love that podcast. Hi. Hi. Justin's so amazing. All right. So is it that time? It's that time. Let's talk, talk about, about ghosts. Ghosts. All right, guys. So when something tragic happens, a residue is always left behind and energy. And in this case, they always come back. Girl. And let's start in chronological order of passing. So let's start with James Dean. Let's start with James Dean's ghost. I would mm-hmm. love to start with his ghost. Girl, me too. Mm-hmm. Okay, Swoon. sorry. <laughs> I've seen him in that tree. Ooh. He can haunt me. <laughs> yes. He can haunt me. I I wouldn't mind a haunting by him. I mean, especially right now since it's so hot. I wouldn't mind the cold spots. Oh, yeah. You know, I wouldn't mind the cold. Nice. I mean... Give he's, me a break from my electricity. Yes, I will invite a haunting. He's such a giver. What a nice guy. <laughs> Wake up in the middle of the night. He's standing in the corner. and be like, whoa, whoa. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. Where do we start? So according to KNDShow.com, many fans would swear that James Dean has returned from the grave. And there have been many reports of spectral Porsche cruising the highway in the area where Dean was killed. And exactly where is that Porsche spider? As we mentioned before, Mm -hmm. it could be at this museum behind a fake wall in Chicago. Who knows? And what happened to James Dean's body? Someone supposedly stole the corpse from the grave, and more recently, his headstone was taken as well, Aww. though it was quickly returned. Little wonder that Dean might be disturbed enough to walk the earth again, quite possibly. So I researched, and the report of his corpse being stolen is false. Ooh. However, Dean's headstone has been vandalized so many times, oh. and it's been stolen I think about twice already. That's so sad. It's really sad. So according to an article of Washington Post in 1983 visitors to the grave have been chipping away mementos from his tombstone like oh you mentioned goodness. before ever since Dean died in 1955 it's a simple granite stone according to Deputy Brown nothing any different from anything else out there but hmm. so many people have chipped away at the stone that the name is also difficult to read uh, leave James Dean alone that's so sad people won't then It was finally stolen later on that year of 1983 and found four years later in a fire. In a fire. And then... Oh, it gets worse. And then in 1998, the entire headstone is stolen again. According to the Chicago Tribune, the rose-colored granite stone, a few feet long and about 400 pounds, was reported stolen from Park Cemetery in Dean's hometown of Fairmont, 45 miles northeast of Indianapolis. The The stolen tombstone has been recovered by an off-duty sheriff's deputy who rammed into it with his car on a lonely indiana country road 
I mean, Bryce, is there really nothing to do in Indiana but take James Dean's headstone? I've lot. I've made a lot of, you know, exasperatory <laughs> claims, but I can, without a doubt, say that there is nothing to do in Indiana except for steal James Dean's headstone. That's that's fact. Unbelievable. Like, no wonder he walks the earth. No yeah. wonder, like, no one will let him rest. We're very bored. There's a lot of corn. We cannot oh help it. Oh, my God. Like, if someone were to steal my headstone, <laughs> I would be one hell of a salty and sassy ghost. Love it. I, I, I think for me, personally, mm-hmm. I would start off doing the smallest and most annoying things in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like change the passwords to your phone. Ooh, your, that's a good one. Your Wi-Fi and your Amazon Prime account. <gasps> I'll start doing that, and then I'll move things around. Like I'll move mm-hmm. your car keys into different areas of the room. Pro- yes. Possibly leave it in the freezer. Hide the teepee. <gasps> no, ghost Tammy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're OCD, your color coordinated wardrobe will be uncoordinated. All of your photo frames will be slightly askew. <laughs> Then I'll get more aggressive. Yeah. Then I won't. I will not let you sleep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Leave that. How would sound? you do? How, how would you haunt? I want to be cremated, so I don't know. <laughs> I will make sure your Starbucks order is wrong. I assume. Like, ooh, sorry, that's actually whole milk. Bye. <laughs> and they spelled your name wrong. I did that I'm, on purpose. I'm really allergic to dairy. Oops. Well, many have claimed to see the spirit of Dean on mm-hmm. Highway 99, now Highway 5, close to the site of his crash. So passerbys have reported seeing what looks like a, a phantom car Oof. that looks identical to the little bastard driving on the highway with the headlights off. The car would appear out of nowhere and then disappear. Others have reported to see a young man in a white shirt and jeans walking alongside the road, covered in blood, and they <sighs> believe this to be the spirit of Dean. Psychics have reported feeling his presence at the site of his crash by his memorial. They say it's a residue of his last moments in his life. Aww. They feel like like a shock to the body, almost a blow. Probably wow. it's like what he felt on impact. <gasps> then they get this feeling of anxiety and sadness. There has also been reports of a blue-green mist that can be seen in the distance in the fields as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't like mist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so weird. Slight interjection. You know what's weird talking about mist and color yeah. and parallels is that Jane Mansfield is associated, if you recall oh, the episode, yeah. with the pink mist, which was her go-to color. Oh, yeah. And the parallels between their car accident mm-hmm. are very similar. Oh, yeah. Mainly that both of them were rumored to have been decapitated by their car accident. And that was one of the reasons why people thought James Dean wasn't actually dead is because they, the rumor was that they couldn't find his head, quote unquote, that he had been decapitated. Oh, so yeah. like, that's not him. That's just the body that they like, it was the bystander or yeah. whatever. Both of them were not decapitated, first of all. So that's that mere rumor but also before natalie wood was cast jane mansfield was on the short list for the studio to play that part really isn't that creepy that is insane no it's too close i know that's too eerie it's too close too eerie Mm -hmm. and then uh, one of the reasons um that the director went with natalie wood is because he was kind of trying to like screw he like hated the confines of working within the studio system and that was like one of the ways that he kind of like fucked them over was that they wanted Jane Mansfield and he kept 
like shooting screen tests with her and not using film and be like, sorry, we didn't get it on film and like was delaying the process until he cast Natalie Wood. So like how eerie is that? That's no, that's that's too close to home. Uh (laughs) That's way too close to home. You saying mist like reminded me of that. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, leave the mist alone. But that's how that's how spirits of the dead tend to like project themselves, how they present themselves as mist. Oh, yes. I have little chills. I don't like mist. (laughs) If I see mist, I'm running. So Nick Adams is the next one. So there's no reports of hauntings or anything unexplainable that have occurred in his house Mm. in Beverly Hills, though it is a stop in one of the haunted, no, not the haunted, the dearly departed tours. Yes. It's a stop. And his house has been sold to several families and Mm. no one has reported anything out of the ordinary. But we move on to Salma Neo, and this is where it gets kind of sad. Aww. So after the horrific slaying of Manio, it has been reported by residents of the apartment complex that there is a coldness, or there was a coldness, in that area of the car park, especially at night. Oof. There had also been several reports of seeing Sal's restless ghost wandering the lot at night between the hours of 12 and 3 a.m. There you go, oh, shaking God. your head. That is why you need a 10 o'clock bedtime. Mm-hmm. No. One tenant claimed to have felt an unusual cold spot in the car park one hot summer night. So the man reported that he was coming home late from a night out around 2 a.m. He mentions that it was a really hot summer night and he couldn't wait to go inside his apartment to, you know, turn up his AC. Mm -hmm. He parked his car, got out, and out of nowhere, the temperature dropped. He said that it felt like, you know, it was 102 degrees at night, but it just dropped to what felt like the 50s it just sent this immediate chill down his spine he immediately locked his car door and rushed up to his apartment he was so spooked other tenants and neighbors next door to the complex would also report hearing what sounds like a young man crying and calling out for help in the middle of the night when the tenants would get up out of bed to see what all the commotion was about from their window there would be no one there. Ugh, nothing. No. The tenants would also mention that it sounded like a young man and it would occur late at night around the same area where Mania was found dead. Oh. There is also one report from a tenant who reported seeing a young man one night wandering around the car park. He said the young man was wandering around outside the area of the car park as if, you know, he was lost. He looked pale and scared. At first he thought it was a homeless man on drugs, but the man would disappear into thin air. Mm-mm. The man matched the description of Manio to the T. Yeah. So he he was renting an apartment off of Holly, Holloway Drive in mm. West Hollywood. I lived three blocks away no. from that apartment. When I saw pictures of his apartment, of his old apartment, I'm like, oh, my God. I lived two blocks away. Oh. I lived off of Phyllis Avenue. And I remember always passing by his apartment to go to work. No. I can't like how close to home, how close. So as you guys know that uh, finally a break in the case came in 1979. Mm-hmm. A career criminal by the name of Lionel Ray Williams was heard bragging about the murder in the state pen. He was extradited, tried and convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to 51 years 
think it was 51 years to life. He got out in 25, but was soon once again behind bars for armed robbery and parole violations. So he kept on going back into jail. So the ghost of Salmonella has not been seen or heard since. And it's believed that since his killer was finally caught and brought to justice, he is now finally at rest. Oh, I hope so. I hope so too, because that was a really sad story when that I read sad. about it. Especially hearing the person like crying or yeah. like reliving their final moments, that is heartbreaking. Well, his last words were, help, help, oh my God, oh. when he was stabbed in the heart oh. and then he collapsed. He died five minutes after the stabbing. Yeah, poor no. thing. So then that leads us to Natalie Woods, guys. Yes. This is crazy. So rumors and suspicions spread around the world of Natalie Wood's death. Many of these rumors included her husband, Robert Wagner, broke her neck and tried to hide her body in the water. Christopher Walken murdered her because she would not leave Robert and continue their affair. There's even an obtuse rumor of involving organized crime and Frank Sinatra. (laughs) (laughs) When in doubt, blame Frank. But whatever the actual truth may be, Natalie, it would seem, is trying to get her tale told even after that untimely death. Mm-hmm. Now, according to Brian Clune's book, Hollywood Obscura, he states the first story about the boat, The Splendor. So The, Bl- the Splendor was sold in 1986 to retired flight attendant Ron Nelson, who had dreams of sailing to Hawaii and turning it into a charter yacht for tourists. Mm. And in the very, the very first day, he began to notice strange things occurring on the boat. Yeah, no, never one prone to falls. According to Nelson, he would fall and hit the floor out of nowhere. He also states, it's like, my feet came out from under me and I fell. He said that the falls occurred when the boat was tied up at the dock, so no motion was never really a factor. Nelson has Whoa. told of seeing shadows. This is crazy. Nelson has told of seeing shadows out of the corner of his eye, but they are gone when he looks directly into the shadow's direction. He also says this, it just looks like a woman and that she is simply just staring at him. Nope. I, don't I like felt that. that. In, in the haunted um, theaters episode, yeah. I remember like when I was working in that theater, I kept on seeing like this this figure of a man. Yeah. But every time I would look directly into that direction, it was not there. But I could see it in the corner of my eye. Oh, I don't like that. If you could see it and feel it, then it's there. That's just me. I really don't like a haunted ship. Let's just oh, start there. I know. Like, it's like oh, especially if you have motion sickness, you're like, great. Now oh. this shit, I got to deal with motion sickness and a ghost. And you can't get away. Like, <laughs> no. That's the thing with like a haunted house. I always hate. A, I hate horror films, anyways. But I'm like, <laughs> just go away. Like, don't be in that house. Like, you're not trapped. But on a boat, yes, you are because there's sharks in the water, and I'm also afraid of sharks. So there you go. <laughs> I'm on a boat. Baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I hate that. So Nelson had continued to stay on the boat and put up with the haunting. He just had to, see, like him, he just put up with it. No. (laughs) He was injured twice due to unexpected falls. He kept the boat until 2014 when Hurricane Anna had damaged it, and it was too much for him to repair and handle it. So he put the Splendor up for sale, and it's been placed on auction with a starting bid of $220,000. So far, I cannot find out who purchased it and what happened with it we are purchasing it we will only be podcasting (laughs) from the splendor from now on yeah it was taken off the auction site it says here in 2016 and there's also rumors that parts of it were sold in auction like this so recent yeah like the name like the plaque the splendor that was sold in auction Mm -hmm. yeah 
but it seems that the residents of two harbors have claimed to have seen what appears to be the ghost of Natalie Woods. Numerous reports over the years since her death have people seeing, you're not going to believe this, a mist-like figure of a woman walking along the beach. Yeah. Always in the direction of two harbors, it appears that this woman is dressed the same in all the reports. The woman is seen wearing a big red coat (gasps) and what looks like a long flowing nightgown and it appears that she's wearing a pair of boots style fur slippers. The exact same identical outfit that Natalie Wood was wearing when they found her body the night that she passed. That is creepy. The entity in question looks like she is walking in the direction of the town center and many claim that they get the feeling of sadness and loss from from when you gaze towards her direction. Mm. Other reports say that they see this entity appear more often between the months of November and December. And there is one report from a local witness who has stated that the woman just looks lost and confused. She has this scared look on her face. She's completely she's completely pale mm. and looks as if she is soaked in water. No. Oh yeah. So I want to like no. <laughs> so I want to like point out this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So this is a phenomenon with spirits of the dead or hauntings. And I've read about this in articles that psychics or people who carry the sixth sense have reported seeing ghosts in their post-mortem state. And it's very rare, but they have seen spirits appear to them in the manner that they have passed. For example, people who have died in horrific and gruesome gruesome crashes would appear in the afterlife with like missing limbs broken bones and severe abrasions it's rare but there are times when they can come back as what they looked like when they were alive Mm. or moments before their death or after their death yeah i remember seeing this like this is a good example in the sixth sense like when oh yeah hayley joel osman's character would see like these visions of the dead it's like the dead like post-mortem yeah terrifying like that one scene with the little kid he appears in front of Haley. he's like oh come here i want to show you something he turns around you see that big bullet hole in the back of his head oh god yeah it's very rare for psychics to see that but Mm -hmm. for them they said yeah it can it can happen there's also a report of seeing what may be natalie wood's spirit at the harbor breeze restaurant the last place she ate her final meal before she had passed Workers claim to see a woman sitting at the same table she sat the hours before her death. The table seems to be empty. She's laughing and talking to unseen companions, and she's usually wearing what is described as casual boat attire. Many believe that this is a simple residual haunting Mm. brought on by her first final night of happiness before her death later that evening. So here, in this case, it looks like there's two types of hauntings. There's a residual, mm-hmm. and then there's the aftermath. There's probably an intelligent haunting. Especially with, like, such a dichotomy and, like, a huge difference between, like, the very positive energy at mm-hmm. the restaurant and then, like, the extreme negative energy. Like, that schism must create such energetic turmoil. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like... I oh that makes me so sad. It does, but with, I mean, in Ron's mm. story of the boat, I feel like there is a severe residue there. Yeah, he keeps on like falling. That's so creepy. So I feel like in connection with her death, she fell. Yeah, I feel like maybe something happened. Some maybe she was pushed. Oh yeah, maybe 
because he would just fall out of nowhere. That's the thing that's so creepy, too, because I was like, as soon as you said that, I was like, well, maybe he just has, like, no sea legs. And he's like, no, 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 it was tied up. Yeah, and he, I mean, this is not his first time, you know, sailing. Right, he's, totally. He, he has experience. Ugh. Even when the boat was tied up, he would still fall. That's so creepy. Yeah. So, who knows? Do you come back in the afterlife mm. if you're... If your spirit's not at rest, like, do you come back? I don't know. Especially when your death is under, you know, mysterious yeah. circumstances. Yeah, and it's like you said when we were talking about Salmonio, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like he got some closure or that once his assailant, his murderer, mm-hmm. was dealt with and justice was served that that was enough to put his spirit or to put the residual energy, whatever you want to call it, we always say, Mm -hmm. that was enough to quell the energy. Whereas these other ones, A, you look at James Dean, and people are bringing so much of their own energy to him and so much turbulence and disturbance with his headstone. Like, how could, if that is what happens to us, how could someone find rest in that kind of a situation? Mm -hmm. Whereas Salmonio, he's much less well-known. He's not as iconic as James Dean was. He's not as perturbed as the James Dean spirit could be. Mm -hmm. And so it's like that person maybe was able to find peace and rest. And then you see Natalie Wood. We still don't know what happened. There's so many allegations and mysteries surrounding her actual death. How could you find rest? How could you be at peace when there's no closure? And, you know, her mm-hmm. her poor sister, for the good, this isn't a criticism, but is continuing to pursue that as anyone would. How could you not try and find the truth, but there'd be no way to, like, be at peace while that's happening? So mm-hmm. that's just my opinion. No, I agree. But it just makes me sad, kind of. I, I believe that their souls are not or were not at rest. Mm because some someone out there is not telling the truth yeah. or someone out there is not letting them rest in peace. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's why I, I would probably gravitate more towards like energy and like resist. Cause then it's yeah. like, well, at least their actual soul. And this is what I believe is that like, you know, you, once you die, you are in the afterlife. There's no like, maybe there's no like coming back or whatever, except that then like, what does that mean when we can't explain things? And my hope is that it's like, well, the energy maybe manifests so that that person isn't still being like in limbo or being tortured or whatever. Like that, I think that's like my very naive hope mm-hmm. is like, well, they're in the afterlife. They're like living their best life, pun not intended. <laughs> um, and the energy that we're seeing is what we bring to the haunting or what we kind of extract on our own so that they're not like, Unrestful. I think it's like a little naive, but mm-hmm. that's like my little child hope. <laughs> oh, I hope they're okay. No, I think, I think that's that's healthy. I hope so. I think so. <laughs> I feel like it is. I feel like it is. Natalie Wood just, is just like leaning over my shoulder. She's like, "It's not that, yeah, girl. <laughs> no, why? Why am I so wet? No wonder I felt so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, did Thank you have you. an AC on? No. Good, because I am so wetty. <laughs> well, guys, that is episode eighteen. The casting curse mm. of Rebel Without a Cause. Do you think? Let's end it here. Like, mm-hmm. Do you think there was a curse with this film? Um, I think. Mm, that is a good question, Tammy. I don't know. I think not as aggressive, maybe as 
what we saw with the Misfits Mm -hmm. because the Misfits was so quick and their deaths were so rapid fire yeah and so similar and so traumatic um it is incredibly creepy to me that it's one a decade the thing that I would say is a strong counter argument to it being a curse is that they all died in sort of different and seemingly unrelated ways. To me, it seems like maybe more likely that someone was trying to cover something up. Yeah. Uh, and that it kind of looks like a curse. If you listen to our episode talking about the Misfits and that casting curse, the the death pall was sort of over that entire production. And there were so many things leading up to mm-hmm. that people were like, they're like walking corpses. That was, everyone was very concerned, especially for Marilyn Monroe, that she was sort of losing it. And so I think that part of the curse maybe manifested more tangibly than this one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's pretty coincidental if it's not a curse, I think. Like I said before, in the casting curse of the mm-hmm. Misfits too, I feel feel like a lot of these people led very turbulent lives and they were just hellishly unlucky I don't think it was a casting curse because it just seems like there's a story in Hollywood and you know the story goes you're famous one day and then you're dead the next totally you know and for a lot of these individuals and I even brought this up to on our Instagram Paul Walker Mm, for example how history kind of repeats itself and how eerily his death parallels with James Dean Mm -hmm. because with Paul Walker he passed away in a car accident speeding in a Porsche Carrera Mm -hmm. and he was in the midst of shooting I think it was the seventh installment Mm -hmm. of Fast and the Furious and he passed I think it was in 2013 wow I can't believe it's been that long it's been that long he passed in 2013 and it was it's just so, it's just how it miraculously parallels with Dean's So life many too. aspects of it. I mean, there's always been rumors about his sexuality and there's his relationship with Vin Diesel yeah. and his relationship with his mother and like all oh, yeah. of these things that are very paralleled and just how tragic it was. And I mean, I actually really don't care that much about the Fast and the Furious franchise. <laughs> and I still was super affected by Paul Walker's yes. death. I felt so heartbroken. Because he's a part of our generation. 100%. And we grew up watching him in all these movies. Yes. Yeah. Oh. But I just felt that these wonderful talents mm. were in a direction in their life where it was just in the direction of all this turbulence. Yeah, I mean, that's very common, especially when you look at, like, how the industry was. I know we bring it up all the time, but, like, Mm -hmm. the industry attracted a certain kind of person in the 50s and the 60s, especially you look at, like, all those old stars and starlets and big diva names and big acting names. Like, they all were a very specific kind of neurotic needed love like the story of like their parents died very young and they spent the rest of their life looking for love and admiration and affirmation that's very common it's this sort of very tiny club of people Mm -hmm. the similarities are very present agreed I know don't be a film star in the 50s that's the moral (laughs) of this story 
Drive the speed limit, please. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hands at 10 and 2 o'clock. Yes, please. Yes. All right, guys. So that is episode 18. We were so excited to do this episode. Mm-hmm. And don't worry. We will do a separate episode ded- dedicated to Dean Woods and Mineo. Yes. Yes. We just wanted to let you all know that we jajore the hell out of you guys. Yes, you Thank guys you best. for following us on our social media and for leaving those reviews on our iTunes. They really help us out a lot. We just have a couple of shout outs this week that we got to uh, we got to give out. Yes. So Tammy Lynn, Jess Lockmies, our Lockmies. I think I pronounced your last name correctly. Caitlin Johnson. We sent your Myrtle's postcards out yes, this past they're so week. Cute. I know Tammy got hers. Yay, Caitlin girl. Let us know if you got yours because um, this was our first time sending something mm-hmm. to New Zealand. New Zealand, Bryce. Yes. We are heard in New Zealand. We Thank God. are hobbits. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to Latoya at the Hollywood Post Office for assisting yeah, me girl. in this process. She's the best. She is. She looked at me as I approached her window and she said, oh, Lord, are you shipping on another Ouija board? Yes. <laughs> like, nope, just these haunted postcards. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for hooking me up with these scratch and sniff stamps. Oh, girl, Thank they you. smell so good. God, they smell amazing. All right. So before we head to our spiritual base of the week, mm. we have to give a special happy birthday shout out to a ride or die listener, Corey Dooley. Aww. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Yes. We hope you have an amazing day. Happy birthday. Eat lots of cake. I'm sending you a haunted cake. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and that leads us to our spiritual base of the week, guys. We have to give a shout out to Dead in Hollywood Zine. Yes. Dead in Hollywood is a true crime zine de- documenting strange and tragic Hollywood deaths. Created by Los Angeles artist Kasserberger. The name Zine comes from the abbreviation of punk era fanzines, itself a corruption of magazine, which itself dates from post-war Hollywood. Love. So Kasserberger is an amazing and talented artist, and if you like reading and learning more about the dead famous, then you'll love his scenes and his blog. Love. Stalk him at Dead in Hollywood Zine on Instagram and read his blog at deadinhollywood.com. We reposted their images on our Instagram to help promote his um, zines mm-hmm. for this episode. And we thank him for letting us use those images so and cool. for helping us out. We hope to do an episode with him. Because yeah. I love his work. I re- Go check him out. Yeah, Just go, guys. Go. Cool. The second is the paranormal chicks so paranormal chicks is a podcast that is the brainchild of two bffs donna and carrie and their weird obsessions with things that go bump in the night and real life monsters who live all around us so each episode consists of one paranormal story and one true crime story who doesn't love murder and mystery mixed together of course grab a drink pull the sheets over your head and get ready Mm. to feel like you're with your besties at a slumber party with these two ghouls tune into their podcast each monday to catch their episodes y'all that's the thing they're two southern girls you know i love a southern bale oh yes they're two awesome southern gals y'all <laughs> so if you love holly weird paranormal we'd love for you to subscribe rate and give us a review on itunes it really does help mm-hmm. us indie podcasters out a lot it helps us become a little more visible just a little bit just a little bit can't get enough of holly weird paranormal then stalk us on instagram and facebook at holly weird paranormal and twitter at hwp podcast have a story that you're dying to share no pun intended <laughs> then email us at hollyweirdparanormal at gmail catch up with our episodes on blueberry apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher soundcloud 
Google Play, CastBox, Player FM, and now Spotify. We're everywhere. We're on Spotify now, Bryce. It's so weird. It's so weird. Like, one day I woke up and there we were. There we were. Like, they didn't even send me an email. Like, okay. Mm, Thank you. (laughs) Till next time, guys. Bryce, do you have anything you want to say? Don't get haunted. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 